When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, beautiful, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. It finally happened. Genevion Clowney practiced on Wednesday. Vic Beasley was on the practice field on Wednesday. There's a whole paparazzi scene. I don't even know how to describe it. My head is still spinning just from seeing 20 minutes of 99 in two-tone blue. What a time to be alive, truly. Uh, so in order to break down week one, we decided, you know, in theory, we were going to have Joe Rexroad, Paul Kaharski, meeting of the minds, going to do a great week one Denver preview for you to really, really get juiced for the first week of the NFL season and for the Titans' first game of the 2020 season. And then Paul Kaharski completely derailed everything that was going on, and it turned into what arguably may be one of the worst podcasts that I've ever done. Now, that may not sound like a tease, but you know you're intrigued about what went down over the course of the hour that Kaharski, Rexroad, and myself spent together, and you have that to look forward to on today's pod. Before we get to these great conversations, as well as your iTunes review mailbag questions that we will do at the end of the show, I got to tell you about the fine folks who make this possible each and every Tuesday and Thursday. That is our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Incredibly easy to do business with Two Rivers Ford out there in Mount Juliet off Belinda Parkway. Easy to schedule a test drive from your home. Easy to shop and compare online at tworiversford.com. It's easy to go to the dealership. It's just a few minutes east of Nashville's airport. They'll make it happen and make it easy for you as their customers or potential customers. Make them a part of your car search experience, your car buying experience. Whatever it is, they just want the opportunity to serve you, and to show you what makes them the best in the business. They are also, by the way, Nashville's Ford Bronco headquarters, so you can reach out to them at any time for info on that. You can also go to tworiversford.com and build your own Bronco. I am absolutely guilty of having done that many, many times myself. I'm incredibly hyped for when this vehicle is available at the dealership. They have great partnerships here locally with the Preds, Vanderbilt, Matt Duchesne, Brant Snedeker. It's a name that's been in the business for almost 40 years here in Middle Tennessee. The best out here doing it. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven 
by people. Let's get to Kaharski and Rex Road. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast. You're on the A to Z Sports Digital Network. Joining us now on the GetBeast.com Zoom line, Paul Kaharski of the Midday 180, paulkaharski.com, elsewhere podcast, Paul Kaharski podcast. The man is talking entirely too much for the listening audience. And, of course, uh, sleepy-eyed Joe Rexroad of The Athletic. You can follow him at Joe Rexroad on the socials. You can follow Paul at Paul Kaharski NFL. Hello, boys. Welcome. How are we? We're, we're lovely now that we're all here, now that Paul has figured out how to put the back backdrop behind him so you can subscribe to his website at paulkaharski.com. Now that Joe Rexroad has finally joined us after making dinner for his three kids while he's not spending his life on Twitter, we finally got this thing off the ground, and now we're ready to talk about week one. I mean, this is, this is big stuff. We actually for, have football today. Thanks for taking your ear things off, Paul, because that was, that was distracting. really bothering me. Yeah, it was. Yeah. As your head, your, your head looks sleek, sleek and beautiful now. As opposed to your door to your porch, which is very uh, high tech and beautiful. It was, it was very, very it, lovely. Listen, the the last backdrop that he had was his literally his bed headboard. Uh, so this wow. is a, this is a much more professional yeah, setting that we find. Listen, Emily was in the closet. Joe was in his bedroom. It was very disconcerting. All Has Emily it. come out of the closet? Yeah, Emily the, um, Emily does not, in that particular edition, come out of the closet, but it was dubbed by Joe Rexford the penis pod because somehow we wound up on Mike Vrabel's uh, manhood once again. It's interesting that the biggest company here, The Athletic, which has had rounds and rounds of financing, can't give Joe a sticker or a banner or a hat. <laughs> Sad. Oh. See, now you're making me feel bad. I, I have that stuff. Should I go get one? Should I go no. get some merch? God, no. It's just, it's taken the two of I you made so you wait long enough. It's taken the two of you so long to get your shit together. I've been I, around for a while. I've been waiting. We said six-ish, which I thought was surely by six. If it was any kind of good content, I would have recorded Paul trying to put his backdrop up. That's probably the most com- comedy bad. that we're going to get. Now, Buck has made this, this for me, and I give him credit if you could see it here. But look. It cuts off at the top, so it's not fantastic. I mean, it's better than what I was doing, but it's still not fantastic. Literally, the only thing that the people who will view this on YouTube cannot see is the top border for your little shield there. Like, everything else is there. You know to go to paulkaharski.com. It costs as much as as a cup of coffee for your subscription or a cocktail once a month, all that good stuff. Both of these gentlemen, well worth your subscriptions now that football season is officially here. We're going to talk about the Titans and the Broncos. We're going to talk about Jadavion Clowney. Uh, But both of these two have been giving me all kinds of hell because apparently somehow over the course of the last six months of Zoom calls, they think I've turned into a Titan suck-up, and I'm going to give each of you the the ability to make the case as to how how I've fallen into full Corey Curtis territory. (laughs) No, you go first. Well, I mean, you don't – have to tell someone you appreciate them every time you talk to them just just ask a question you know sometimes it's fine to say hey how you doing whatever but like you don't you you show too much appreciation but i think that the big You're too thing grateful that, for these people's time yeah it's not being so nice like but, over and over it's like the radio caller hi fellas how you doing don't waste half my show asking me how i'm doing just let's talk 
right, let's get right to the thing. But I think that the fact that you already uh, call uh, Jadavian Clowney by his little nickname, JD. I think that was really a special moment for you, Buck. Chief? I, I have uh, more special moments. And, and Joe actually taps into this one a, a little bit. But I, I, I'm going to turn this into a sales pitch because I like coming on this pod, but I don't feel like I get enough out of it. Like when Buck asked me Don't you? Uh, yesterday, would I, would I come on? I said, well, what am I getting out of it? And he said, you know, you can plug anything you want. So I'm going on a plug festival here. We, we had Burke Nihill and uh, Gil Beverly in a Zoom call the other day. Who are those people for the people who may not be aware? The president of the team and the highest ranking uh, guy that oversees all the other non-football uh, stuff. Vice president is your way to put that. Vice He's a VP. Um, but listen, so, so these guys are on. It's a, it's a nice thing that the Titans are making them available um, to us. I don't remember what Joe asked. Not that that's an – I don't mean that as an offensive thing, but I remember Buck slurping in, in, in another sense. But there are, to me, three things that these gentlemen need to be asked about that are not – happy talk questions. One of them is, uh, have they laid anybody off or furloughed anybody? One of them is, what was the rate of opting out of the season ticket holders at the stage that could be opted out? And the other is, um, despite the fact that they're not going to have a chance to really show us how disproving they are of the Titans on social justice themes by not showing up at the box office, because we're probably not going to see 68,000 tickets on sale for any games this year. Um, what's the Titans' response to people that are very loud on social media anyway, saying they don't want to hear from the Titans on the issues of the debt? Who asked these three questions? One, me. Two, me. Three, me. This is why you should be subscribing to this site and supporting me. The happy talk and the confetti and the balloons about what a great job they've done with COVID, all of this stuff, true. But, but for my presence in this conversation, we would know none of this information, which to me are the most three important nuggets that came out of the conversation, all of which, by the way, everybody uh, used in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Buck, meanwhile, was getting lollipops ready to pass around to the president and the vice president. I'm not sure what Joe was working on. But Buck said I could get out of this what I want out of this. What I want out of this are memberships from people who acknowledge that without my presence in this press room, per se, um, you don't find out the, the answers to these incredibly necessary questions, which I don't know that we're on anybody else's list. You know what? I yeah. here's here's what I'll say. One, are you not feeling appreciated enough in general? Like you you feel you feel like you I feel like you're lashing out a little bit. You feel like you feel like you're a little unappreciated. Well, you I'm providing like your content yet again, and I I you know I don't come to you for content is is what I'm saying. That's okay. Hold on, hold on. I have hold been on. a guest on the Paul Kaharski podcast because you thought you were going to get something out of it. That's absolutely how many times? So. How many times? Just once. You've how been many on. Times have I been on yours? Probably four, I would say. I would say at least four. That's four high-ranking episodes. Go ahead, Joe. I'll, I'll I'll hold on. Let me jump in here. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, Paul, those are good questions, but get off your own jock here. Come on. <laughs> Listen, one of those questions, I agree, and it wasn't on my radar, and I, and I, I like the question about social justice and fans. That's a good question, um, and I had not thought of it. That's a good question. 
the, the necessary one of those, I would say, would be the, the opt-out question. Uh, but the, the news that people use more than anything was just the question of the mayor and the conversation right. and the fans and the capacity. That's that's the number one news item. Okay. But no, those are good questions. Those Where, are fine. by the way, did the mayor saying that it was a national thing that he set up as opposed to a local thing come from? Oh, the midday 180 is where he said that. Nobody so, is discrediting who you have on your radio show, the questions that you ask. There's, this is a total hijacking, but well, no, listen, I, he's told. Here's, here's what I'll say, because I do ask you guys to do the podcast on a regular basis. If you feel the need to hijack it every once in a while, so be it. Like, this is the, this is the, this is the cost of doing business with Paul Kaharski. Now, maybe he's looking for a little more than everybody else is. Teron's getting a Baby Yoda mask. That's about all that anybody else is getting out of this podcast. Maybe if you're nicer about this, maybe I'll send some contributors some gifts now that this podcast is hugely profitable, and since we are such man. a profitable podcast, you can spend, you can go, and you can spend your excess money at paulkaharski.com or the Athletic. Because before you, you jump in, you can have you can have all three. It's a beautiful thing. That's why I like to do these podcasts. Because you're right, I, it wasn't on my radar to ask about about the opt-outs. That was not my intention walking in there. Like I legitimately wanted to know, and I don't know how honest an answer they were going to give me, but I thought I got two pretty solid answers out of them on the approach that they took with standing up against racism, against police brutality in a market where I really do think it, it, it could affect their bottom line. Like that stuff, I really do find interesting. You asked your questions, I asked mine. Nobody can remember what Joe asked, so it must not have been that memorable. And everybody, you know, I, I honestly, everybody I, has good content. I, I don't see what the question is. Oh, well, then, you know, that, Joe's I, just, Yeah, I didn't ask a question. Next the, time you podcast, I'll time. make sure to... Yeah, I'll make sure to bring my questions that I asked and, you know, pat myself on the back for them. Well, have you your notebook. Have you, oh, that doesn't show up on the white background. <laughs> I'm holding a notebook in my hand. Look. Um, don't don't that's you block weird. that don't don't you block that logo I work so hard to make. That's that's the you know, we've gotten this far. <laughs> um, it's okay. Look, I, I uh you said I could come on and say whatever I wanted to say. So I came on and said <laughs> what I uh what I wanted to say. Now you're gonna go on tomorrow. Uh I'll date the podcast. We're gonna have Clowny, you're gonna call him J D. There's gonna be some slurping. <laughs> Joe and I are gonna be embarrassed. We'll reunite again, unite forces against you. Um, because you, you've gone very soft on this team. So I hope for your sake that the Titans win big on Monday night because, God forbid, you have to say something negative or ask a hard question of this team. You're out of practice. Well, you know what? Here's, here's what I will say because I used to get hit over the head. And, we'll again, we will talk about week one. We will talk about Jadavion Clowney. We will stop being so self-involved here in just a second once Paul let's, <laughs> stops letting us be so self-involved. But, this is the worst podcast ever. It stinks so far. We'll get Take better. <laughs> we'll get better as this goes on. Uh, it's, it's been tough to say nasty things about it. Like, I'm not actively seeking to say bad things about it. For the first couple of years that I was down here, I was very vocal about I hated watching them play. Like, they made football Sundays unpleasant for me. And it's all going to come full circle because now they go back to the place. They open in the place of their greatest embarrassment 
over the course of what was overall a, an incredibly successful 2019 season. But the last thing that I said in Denver after, uh, speaking of slurping, after I absolutely annihilated your boy, Paul, Benjamin Albright, on my live stream from Mile High Stadium was that they make Sundays not fun. I regularly ripped this team for their style of play, for Mike Vrabel's decision-making. And then over the last, what, 10 weeks, 10 or 11 weeks of football, there wasn't a lot of reasons to hit them over the head with it. I don't think that I'm, I don't think that I've gone soft. I think that they're just making it harder to criticize them. Now that doesn't mean that people like Paul or Joe, who are apparently, you know, hardcore capital J journos aren't going to find things to pick apart, but it's just kind of the place they're in. I don't think that I've gotten that much softer. I think they're just making it more difficult on me. Well, they're not playing either. I mean, as soon as they start playing, then, you know, well, I'm sure the Vrabel will come with a triple reverse field goal fake and, you know, then we'll get back to it. Uh, you were probably too content with uh, uh, McCann and Joseph or things like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what your stance was on that. I mean, they took a year off of paying attention to kicker. That was that was substantial, no matter how good they were. But yeah, they're they're, they're a much better football team. You act like you were around for you know the worst of this franchise. It's kind of funny. No, I I have seen I've seen one terrible season. My first year here was when they were bad enough to have the first overall pick, and they shopped it and got Jack Conklin and Derrick Henry and all those things, and they've been a winning team ever since. But that doesn't mean that they haven't been atrocious to watch uh, to watch on a regular basis. Like, I hated them for the longest because I couldn't change the channel on them because we sat in the press box, and that was the only kind of football that we could watch. And now, you know, they can't, they ended the year scoring 30 points a game. Are you, are you not content with your background? I, I just – my head being uh, – looking that bad is terrible. Wow. Is that a mood change? That's my backyard. Oh, that's serene. Lovely. It's it's very not you. So Thank now you. you've gotten your plugs out of the way. You can uh, you can default to a, a much calmer plug. What the hell? I was is looking. That? I was looking for uh, Rexra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, this is so unfair. All of this comes full circle while Paul continues to make things self-involved. They are now in the preparations for Week One. A trip out to Denver. Von Miller has been ruled out for the year. Bradley Chubb may not be 100%. They're facing a team with the best home opening winning percentage in the Denver Broncos, over 650, uh, seven and three in the last decade at mile high, or excuse me, in their last openers, all seven of those wins coming at mile high. And this is a team that has a huge opportunity to be able to do what they don't normally do outside of Cleveland, which is start fast, which is gain momentum. And I, I think there's a great deal of excitement about this particular team. Now, you guys have seen much worse Titans football than I have. So maybe you can kind of speak to, Paul, if you want to start, how, just how far they've come. Well, I mean, they've come a long way. Our, our debates now are about second quarterback and the fifth receiver. I'd say the fourth receiver if he becomes the third receiver. Uh, but but depth at positions as opposed to uh, starting spots. You can uh, hit a temporary dud uh, on your first round draft pick and have it not be you know the story heading into your opening weekend. That that's pretty significant. Um, this is a good football team, top to bottom, talent wise. Um, we don't know what the defensive uh, play calling and structure is going to look like there. 
Um, so that's a little bit of a question mark. But offensively, this is never an offensive football team. That's why last year was such a delight once they got Marcus out the door and Tannehill took over. Uh, the continuity is great. Um, and, you know, you take it from there with the talent they have, adding in, you know, one missing ingredient in Darrington Evans, who I expect to be good. It's a new tool in Arthur Smith's play box, uh, toolbox, uh, playbook. And, and here's a, a guy that hasn't um, had a lot of uh, – he's had an offseason now to tinker around with the kind of things that he can do, Arthur Smith. I mean, I, I think they're, they're in a great position if they stay healthy to do things. Everybody presumes Baltimore is going to be good. I'm not on the Baltimore bandwagon. Everybody presumes that the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. Teams haven't gone back to uh, one back-to-back Super Bowl since the Patriots in, what, 04, 05. So there's so much stuff that can happen. Now there's stuff that can happen to the Titans, too, that prevents them from going to the playoffs back-to-back that prevents them from going to the championship game back-to-back. But they're in a prime position starting off. And like you said, they need to, to do a better job starting fast. Uh, and that means they should be 2-0 and after they're done with Jacksonville, not 1-1. One and one. Joseph? Yeah, so for me, I've been here for four straight nine and sevens. I have not witnessed the absolute god-awful football. I've been, you know, basically – Started at the Tennessee and right after John Robinson traded that number one pick. So I've seen a lot of pretty good football, but a lot of still, as you said, Buck, some some mind-numbingly boring football at times. It is amazing to think back to that game in Denver when they go two and four, and it looks like I mean Derrick Henry can't do anything. The offensive line is a mess. Mariota is a mess. Fifteen attempts, twenty-eight yards for Derrick Henry in that Denver game. Like it's just later hopeless. And and you think about even – think about just what we thought at the time. I mean, I actually went back today and read my column from off that game. If you want to talk about some snark. I mean, we were all just like, this is, this is awful. This team's bad. They're headed for a crap season. And what does that mean for John Robinson? What does that mean for Mike Vrabel? Not saying anybody was talking about it's time for people to get fired, but – you know how this league is. I mean, Paul knows it. He's covered this league for a long time. I mean, it's amazing how things can switch um, and perceptions of people in those jobs can change over weeks. And you think about how we look at those two guys now, not just having this team that I agree. I mean, I think it's set up for success. I think offensively, I think it'd be very disappointing if they don't come right out and produce and score points at a pretty solid clip but it's you know it's not just this team I mean think about the win of getting Jadavion Clowney I know there's a variable link there but still that to me not have not being here for the the duration Paul's been here but it feels like a pretty significant moment apart from the field you know just to say hey the Titans got in there with the Saints and the Seahawks and and duked it out and got someone that a lot of people wanted so I'll admit I started off very self-involved and I would have taken a restart on this pod. Um, but I did not spend the day reading my column <laughs> from a year ago. It was, it was, and a year ago they lovely. weren't in a rag like the Tennessean. So I've certainly uh, – Joe has maybe overtaken me. <laughs> it was uh, – I, I mean, I, I lovingly read over those turns of phrase. It was, it was a really great experience. 
Thank you, Paul. You could have had the children read them to you while you put your eye. <laughs> it might be a bedtime story tonight. Yeah. Well, while you made them dinner and you're, I, I have a very vivid image of you now in the kitchen over an ironing board. You got a, you got, what are those things called? Apron. An apron. I was going to call it a smock. It serves That's much. an old timey word, the apron. Buck doesn't know that. His Listen, I'm, know I'm out here fighting against your two, the, the both of you, your senility, trying to get backdrops up and figure out how to get the appropriate Zoom setting. It's a very, very difficult burden to just drag you two through a Zoom podcast. Regardless, uh, you two do- old guys who avoided COVID. <laughs> Listen, I can't be helped when it comes into the house. Like, there's only so much I can do. You can be helped. You could pick your tenants better. Yeah, well, you know, 800 bucks a month <laughs> sounds pretty good at 27 years old. I'll take, I'll take, I got a mortgage payment now, Paul. <laughs> I got I to gotta do what I got to do. Uh, you mentioned, though, Clowney, the first uh, day of him practicing today, we also saw Vic Beasley in some kind of, you know, at least fully uh, dressed for practice participating in some form or fashion. Jadavion Clowney out there today as well. Um, nobody over there is talking about that being like the, the thing that puts, over, puts them over the top. In fact, I, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about Vrabel and the way that he spoke on Jadavion Clowney the day, after that they, the day after they signed him when we spoke to him on Zoom. Um, but it was incredibly I mean, less than measured. It was just kind of... It was just kind of like, yeah, on to the next. But this, for this team, in a way that John Robinson incrementally adding pieces over time through the draft with veterans through free agency, guys like Roger Saffold, Adam Humphreys, Jeff Simmons at number 19 overall last year, A.J. Brown in the second round. And now you set yourself over the top with the one thing that they have truly lacked really in the entirety of the time that I've been here. Uh, I'm not sure when the last time that they had a true dominant edge rusher like Clowney. This this is the thing that makes them a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but they're not treating it that way. And I wonder what observations you guys have made about the way that they've just got they've gone Patriots on us in the way that they're dealing with expectations. I think you miscast him there as a truly dominant edge rusher. He's not a truly dominant edge rusher. Um you know, I've talked to several people who say you don't you don't double team uh, Jadavion Clowney. You want to be aware of where he is because he moves around a lot. Uh, he's certainly dominant uh, rush player um, and and causes problems. But um, particularly defensive coaches that I've talked to aren't that wild about him. Now the, the defensive coaches are also keyed really on production. You know, and Jim Washburn, one coach that I talked to, the former Titans defensive line coach who ran uh, Clowney's Pro Day drill, um, and I wrote a story leading off with that, which I'd encourage people to read, um, you know, said, I'm not staying up at night worrying about a guy with 32 career sacks. Now, offensive people spoke differently about him. Look, he's a different kind of guy than anybody the Titans have had during our our era covering the team together, absolutely. He's but he's not a Javon Curse or a Kyle Vandenbosch where you're fearing for the quarterback every snap. Um, I think that Vrabel has shifted into a yeah, – I'm disappointed that he – I mean, I asked about the front multiplicity, right, which that's, was the first thing he said. That's the buzzword. He talked about Harold Landry coverage. He talked about Harold Landry dropping in. He wouldn't even say, like, 
yeah, he's going to play some outside linebacker and some defensive end. That's a nice versatility thing for us to have. I think he said that on his radio show at least Monday night to not put those listeners to sleep. He had no qualms about putting us to sleep uh, on Monday or again today. And today, I mean, you had Vrabel, Tannehill, Lawan, and Adore Jackson. Lawan and Adore Jackson are two of the more entertaining guys on the team. They had zero fun talking to us today. They didn't crack a single one-liner. I mean, they were as bored and disinterested in talking to the media as could be. That's their prerogative. But they didn't do anything to sell any excitement about the Tennessee Titans today. Are they past yeah. the point of needing to sell it, though, Joe? Well, they don't have any tickets to sell, so that's part of it. Are you, Joe? You just had your, you just had your bit. Go ahead, Rex Road. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just – I think Vrabel, yeah, went full Belichick in this. But I think that's, that's kind of been the thing with Vrabel, right? He, he's, he does not like the – what does this individual mean? Sometimes after a game, he might say – I remember what he said about Vaccaro after the New England game. And I was like, whoa, he actually singled a player out and talked specifically about his performance. But obviously, he, he won't get into injuries, timetables, and, and projecting what a player will do. I wasn't that surprised by it, but I will agree it was extreme. And the Zoom calls suck. I mean, if, if we didn't have the chat ripping each other in there, and, and you know, think about how uh, mundane this would all be. But as far as Clowney as a player, yeah, like, I, I don't – I agree with Paul. I mean, obviously he's not a, a dominant – he's never had double-digit sacks. He's not this guy who's just going to come off the edge time and time again and you have to double – he's not like Khalil Mack. I mean, he's never been like that. He's just a different kind of guy, right? Um, I talked, by the way, to Steve Spurrier a few minutes ago. So look for that at theathletic.com. And by the way, we have $1 subscriptions per month going right now. This, isn't this great, Buck? I mean, we are getting it in on you, baby. I mean, um, you, you guys, you guys I, I have totally wrecked this podcast. $1. Yeah. $1. They had to fire John Glennon so they could have $1. <laughs> oh, the silence, Rex. <laughs> well. Finish your point. Yeah. All right. Uh, I love John Glennon. I would like to say that. Um uh, you know, with Clowney, I think one thing that you hear from people is obviously the moving around. He moved around a lot under Vrabel. I think in the 4-3 where he's just basically a straight-up defensive end like he was with the Seahawks last year, it doesn't seem to suit him as well as this defense. And, look, I don't know what his production will be, and we're never going to be able to measure, you know, him on the field equal this for like a Landry. But I, I still think – you know, offensive people know where he is, pay attention to him. He's very powerful. I, I'll say this to guys on the field watching him today. I, he was more like gangly, I guess, you know, up close. He almost, it's almost reminded me of like Derrick Henry. You know, Derrick Henry is like super skinny legs, but also he's obviously very powerful and strong. Like a, like he looks like a guy who could, could seriously be a, a like a big bodied receiver almost, you know, but he's very powerful um, at the point of attack. And I think it's – I mean, look, when you look what they were, and we don't know what is going to happen with Vic Beasley. I don't want to say they were desperate for this, but I think all along when they moved uh, Jarrell Casey, you know, it just made sense to try to do this and bring a different dimension, and I think they will be better for it. I don't know how much better. I mean, the, the health of this guy is still the number one concern, right? I mean, we have no idea. He, he averages missing four games a year, coming off a core thing. He's had shoulder, knee, you know, micro fracture. But if he's healthy, again, if you watched him play, like watched him last year even in some games, 
it's play after play, people struggle to block the guy. Uh, he's, he's changed how offenses get – how quickly they get rid of the football. Like, it's not, it's not that he gets to the quarterback all, all the time. Obviously, the three sacks are the thing that, you know, detractors would tell you um, is the argument against Jadavion Clowney, if, if there is even really an argument to be made, at least for this team, against Jadavion Clowney. But he beats his blocker so quickly. I guess that's kind of what I meant by calling him a, a truly dominant pass rusher or edge rusher, Paul, is he – he is so physically overwhelming that he gets through his blocker quickly and, th- and as a result makes the offense get rid of the football faster in a way that we're seeing, you know, two-second releases and three-second releases um, and, and people turning, you know, the passing game into kind of a, a running game with all of these short completions that you're able to get now. It's, it, he is what he is as a run defender. He's one of the best. Um, they'll need that without Jarrell Casey, and I think that's kind of that's – kind of, makes you feel better about where they are with all of those things but as we look now heading out to Denver Paul I know you're going to the game Joe are you I am not okay. uh, no um and I don't know when that will you know we, but yeah as of now no no travel same here um and so now heading out into week one understanding who the Broncos will not have understanding how good the Broncos have been at home what what percentage chance do you give them of being able to pull this off in week one? Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm not very excited about Denver this year, and then the Von Miller injury obviously uh, kills them. I, I'm not a big Drew Locke uh, believer off of off of the small sample size last year, though I do think that they have some receivers, uh, particularly Sutton, who I, I think could be. Um, a little bit like I'm not saying he's T. Uh, I'm not saying that he's DeAndre Hopkins, but DeAndre Hopkins had this knack for being able to just get receptions with whoever was at quarterback, right? Um, this this thing where before Deshaun Watson was there, the Texans rolled through a bunch a bunch of quarterbacks who were nothing special, and it didn't interrupt DeAndre Hopkins's ability to uh, roll in the numbers. Um, I think that Sutton might have a little bit of that in them and that, and that the, the Broncos core of receivers might have that capacity. They chose the path to chase Kansas city by trying to keep up with Kansas city um, as opposed to the Titans kind of choosing to, uh, you know, stick with what they have on an offense, get a little bit better, but try to, uh, to maybe get a little faster on defense, upgrade the nickel, um, and, and try to see if they can't slow them down a little bit. I don't think that's an effective approach for Denver. I don't think they're in the in the ballpark with Kansas City at all. And I think the Titans face a lot tougher competition after Jacksonville in the teams they're going to see, like the Bills and the Steelers and the like. And if, if they leave one um, on the field in Denver, it's going to be like it was last year, a game to regret. Yeah, like a Bills game, you know, especially two years ago. Um, yeah, I agree. Look, I, mean, I think things are setting up pretty well here for the Titans guys. You know, you take – and it's just awful, this Von Miller injury. It's terrible, you know, for him first, but even for the league. I mean, it's a shame. Um, you know, you also have Daniil Hunter now missing the Minnesota game. So you've got two – I mean, look, this would be if, – if there's a normal season, Monday night football opener, Drell Casey's going to be just on fire – 
looking for payback. And I still think – I think Jarrell Casey will be good for them. I still think he's a good player. This would be a tough game. You take the fans out of that. You take the fans out of Minnesota. You've got top two pass rushers. Well, I guess Ngakwe may be Minnesota's best pass rusher now. But things things are setting up pretty well, you know, for the Titans to, um, you know, to have a good start. And you're right, Paul. I mean, things get tougher. you got a homestand, but you think about that homestand, which for now we have no idea if there will be a Titans fan in the building. If so, a limited amount. But Steelers with Roethlisberger back, Bills, and Texans, who I, I think a lot of people are – kind of sleeping on that team. I mean, I still think that could be a, a good team. I mean, they, they're going to have to ramp themselves up for that. And also, to me, you've got to at least win two of these first three to feel good about things. And I think you could win them all and really have momentum. Minnesota. And then, Minnesota and all three of those teams. Minnesota and all three of those teams are better, are going to wind up being better uh, than Denver. I yes. think. And so, um, you know, look, part of the trouble playing in Denver is the raucous crowd. And so, you know, here's, here's one of the instances where you're fortunate that, that, uh, fortunate that the no fan thing, I think ultimately you'd rather have them everywhere and take your, your chances that yours will benefit you enough to offset other teams not benefiting them. Now, the mile high thing is another factor, and I'm sure those questions will probably come out. We've talked a lot this offseason, and I still may write about um, the the um, conditioning and the idea that A.J. Brown, and then we talked to Corey Davis about it, and we've talked to others about this fatigue playing a role on you late, in the in the game in terms of precise right route running in particular um and and i'm sure these guys will be better at that because it was a point of emphasis for them in the offseason particularly for aj brown um and he gets the biggest test of that um in, in the opener because uh fatigue takes on a special characteristic when you're playing in that altitude i I'm fascinated to see how it all breaks down because with, with, you know, I tried to ask Jayon Brown about this. It didn't end up working out because I forgot that he, that he missed that game. Uh, I'm sitting here. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to multitask. <laughs> so this doesn't come to a crash. Everybody played it off really well that I left the podcast for a hot second. And now I'm trying to salvage this thing as I can. What are you doing? I'm I'm pay, I'm using my company card to pay for an upgraded Zoom, so this doesn't come to a screeching halt. Uh, now we have unlimited minutes. Ooh, We're in business. Shouldn't you We're, do that before the podcast wow. instead of during the podcast? I didn't think you were going to spend the first twenty minutes talking about how soft I was. This is your fault. Like we could, I I never I intentionally never upgraded this thing because I truly do believe that nobody is interested in what we have to say for more than an hour like I really we're talking to each other I really do think that so I've always used it as a great like cutting off point to where okay I got a hard out right there and now because Paul spent the first 20 minutes telling us all how much better he is at asking questions about layoffs (laughs) me and Rex Road we had to upgrade it so that we could save this pod. Well I think done, this boys. Would be a good, I think this would be a good time for Joe to have a beer uh, and to try to re, uh, re-inject himself with gout. <laughs> how, how are things? Oh. How, how is the red meat intake? How, gout report. I've, 
<laughs> we haven't had one since. I've ending. only had one gout. What? I've only had one gout attack. So what exactly consists so it, consists of a gout attack? Well, I mean, apparently the three things that really cause it. I'm glad that this is now that we have this extra time. I feel like I can really explain this to you. Yeah, dive so, in. I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take my time here. Deep dive on gout. So beer, red meat, and shellfish are the three things, which are probably my three favorite things. I mean, you know, coffee is probably in there somewhere. Uh, I like tacos a lot, but, you know, <laughs> red meat. What, what else? Yeah, Complete well, the- you know, there's a few things. I'll, I'll come up with a list. Red velvet cake. Uh, yeah, so anyway, went to Michigan last summer and saw some friends. And, you know, sometimes if you guys – you know, a lot of times you go out and you know, you'll you'll you drink like an IPA or something, right? Or like a little bit of a heavier beer. But at this dive bar near Michigan State, like basically they had like Labatt and Miller Lite on tap. Oh. And so I'm thinking maybe it was just more quantity. Obviously, the the usual assortment of red meats. Um, and yeah, got to take it's like it hurts so much if the the sheet touches your foot, Buck. Like you're screaming in pain. So. We drove to Washington, D.C. to see my family there. And, like, I was – instead of doing fun things with my family, I sat there for two days with my, my foot up trying to deal with the gout attack. But I have not had another one. So Who seems old now, Buck? Oh, you both there. do. I mean, you both – listen, you cannot – you, you can, yeah, I know you've never had gout. And I told Rex Rowe to practice, I think, last week that he looked less fat and that he should be tremendously <laughs> proud of that. So all of it – you know, there's, there's a lot less Appreciate of Rex Rowe to look around. So you that do I look good, Joe. So I think your lens needs a little bit of a wipe. Camera lens. Is that what that is? Where would that be? Yeah, I no, I, I agree. It's like, oh my god. Smudge. <laughs> what a what a truly terrible podcast that we've done. It really this. has been a disaster. <laughs> this may... Any better? No, God, stop. I mean, you might as well have had yeah. Glennon on. No, I. <laughs> we talked about this before. We all love our friend John Glennon, and I hope he pulls his money out of Broadway sports before they go under for legal reasons. <laughs> but I, I don't think he's getting that back. I, it, it may be tough at this point. The NFL lawyers are coming for you, boy. <laughs> Stay woke. Uh, all I will say is that Johnny is quantifiably the worst straighted podcast. <laughs> Apart Woo. from the worst straighted podcast that I've ever had. And it's not his worst story. rated? Oh, the worst rated, the worst downloaded, like the at were there negative comments there no there was just he turned the comments off it was worse it was apathy (laughs) 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 and it's not it's i really don't think it's glennon's fault like i i I do (laughs) he's just i don't think he's that comfortable with anybody but you paul like i don't think like i think it's difficult because you know we love glennon we all We all love Glennon, but he comes, he always comes with the legal pad. It's the size of his head. He's got very, very detailed notes. He is always thoroughly prepared or he doesn't want to be unprepared in these moments, but it is so note centric that it detracts from the conversation. And so you almost need Paul there when you have Glennon on to just berate him (laughs) into like actually having some fun on the podcast. It's not John's fault. It's my fault. I failed him. No. I failed him as the as the driver of this show. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Buck. This one's a f-ing five star all the way. Okay, if, if that's the highest rating, I mean, this one is. Put this one in the f-ing Smithsonian. All right. 
I just, I, I can't tell you how bad all, all three of us have been at this point. Whether you know, <laughs> this is a terrible podcast. I think you ought to throw it away and, and call somebody right now. Call Glennon. <laughs> no, we're on, we're, on available. A, we're on a deadline. I deeply apologize to the sponsor. Available. All in England. <laughs> we do need to have Johnny on. It's been a minute. Are the sponsor's going to be mad that I just swore, by the way? Is this, is it, do you have to like no here i'll join you so that you don't get in trouble no it's fine will compton i don't think we just the the last one we did with the with this was will compton and it's some of the worst some of the worst language that's ever been uttered on this by the way will compton knew that he was on the roster when you were telling him he was on the roster like you think he didn't know his fate i i do think that i uh i do think that he did not know his fate that was about that was about a half hour before final roster cuts get down. Don't don't dismiss the pod. No, that's not what it looked like from what I saw Lawan talking about. Where did I see Lawan talking about it? After the know. fact. Rate review was talking about it after the fact was saying, like, yeah, I have back channel info there and we knew he was fine. I I don't know if you didn't get played on that one. Oh, okay. Well, this is So Will acted surprised. It's like he knew about the surprise. Party. He didn't act that surprised. He smirked. I think, well, I smirked, and then he smirked. Why? Okay, why are, because did you listen to that podcast, Paul? No, we're, no, we're I here. Just saw, I don't listen to podcasts, Chief. Um, I mean, I listen to podcasts, but they're like on big, important things, not on a tight. Um, huge, huge, important things. Yeah, um, you know, like he, a true, a true crime. Uh, no, I'm saying like I'd listen, like if I'm going on vacation, I listen to a true crime podcast or whatever. I listen to that one about uh, the German band and the song and the CIA, Wind of Change. On big, yeah. important things as he lords Scorpions? over Nissan Stadium in the Scorpions. background. You haven't heard that one? It's a really good podcast. I I have not. Wind of change. There's a theory that the CIA planted wind of change to help with the Cold War. It's a very good podcast. Okay. Much, well, better, it, than, much better than what you're listening to right now. This People has been a bad podcast. Uh, We're not done yet. Well, see, this is funny that, that, uh, that Paul I just would, saw the clip that you put on Twitter. I understand. Paul, it's funny that Paul would criticize the authenticity of that because if he had listened to that podcast, he would have heard Will Compton say that if he he felt like if anybody in the media was rooting against him ma- making the roster, it was one Paul Kaharski. Did he you're, say that? You're rebuttal. I wasn't rooting against him making the roster. See, this is where people get confused, in, in, including Will, which disappoints me because I think he's a, one of the smartest guys in the locker room. What I root for is them putting together the best roster possible. And to me, the best roster possible doesn't include a fifth linebacker who's slow, fifth inside linebacker. Well, doesn't. To well, me, let's, let's, they have found and developed a fifth inside linebacker by now who's young and can run and has a future. Well, I, let's speak to insult that. to Will Compton, though he's going to take it that way, and Taylor Lewan's probably taking it that way. And that's another reason why you should subscribe to paulkuharski.com is because I'm the person who will say it because I'm not afraid, though I like Will Compton a lot and I want him to like me. If I'm dead to him over that, I'm willing to suffer my fate. Now who's slurping? Uh, but here, let's I'm let's circle. Let's circle back. I, you, just, you just said you desperately want him to like you. What else? No, you I do? said I'd prefer if he likes me, but I'm willing to sacrifice that in the name of truth, which is Will Compton's <laughs> not fast enough to hold that role. Arbiter of the Nashville media and arbiter of the truth. You come to paulkaharski.com and Joe Rexroad of the Athletic for the. I give both of you a chance to say it. That you love Will Compton, and he's a, a friend of yours, probably too much a friend of yours, frankly. 
Is he fast enough to hold that job? I don't necessarily think it's about the speed because I do. I do think but it you're, should be about the speed because that guy should be a key special teamer who can run like the wind. Joe, is he fast enough to hold that job? Uh, I don't think so. I thought that Kale, I thought this was an example of. It's not like I timed Kale Garrett out there, but when I watched him, I thought there's a guy who, if they had preseason games and he could have demonstrated some things in those reps and those halves of games, and I it might not have gone this way. I was surprised. But I do. I think this is a pandemic-related comfort familiarity move. Well, that's why. That's why I think, didn't even make the the practice squad, which really surprised me. I, I thought the guy flashed. Well, and pretty. You're consistent. right, and that and that made me rethink what I thought I saw. So. Right. This is because here's where I think you're wrong, and I that's I think that's totally fair criticism, Paul. Like I think at this point, because Will Compton wasn't a part of the Titans anymore, I you know I treated it as I treat you guys, right? He's a friend of the pod that comes on the podcast and it's a comfortable relationship. Now that relationship has to change in a way that I've, you know, I've publicly said, I'm waiting for him to screw up so that I can absolutely bury him at the first missed tackle. Like I have no problem at all doing that. But what I will say to you is I do think you guys are, Joe, Joe just spoke to it. So I guess I can't tell him that he's wrong, but you're looking for them to develop these players. Well, they kind of have in Jayon Brown, who I think is a, is, the perfect example of a developed player, one that they have refined. Now, obviously, that was before Mike Vrabel got here, but he did a lot of great work to further enhance Jayon Brown's ability. I think David Long is an example of that. A Is David Long a sixth-round pick? Yeah. I think, I think so. a sixth-round pick out of West Virginia, who they saw admirable traits in, yes. who didn't oh, necessarily good. have to play right out of the gate. And then on top of that, you lose your boy, Darren Bates, and you lose Wesley Woodyard. They didn't lose Darren Bates. They let Darren Bates They walk. let both of those guys walk. Fair enough. With the, with the intention of getting younger. I'm sure they are thinking the same way that you are, Paul, when the season ends last year. And then the pandemic hits, and they don't have time to get these guys up to speed. They don't have the preseason reps for the undrafted rookie free agents who may be future Will Comptons to be able to learn their playbook, to be comfortable in their defense. And the thing, when he was on the roster the first time, I remember distinctly the thing that Mike Vrabel would always, you know, reticent to uh, play, praise players, but the thing that he would say about Compton is he always knows the correct spot to be in. I really think that that's at a higher, that that's at a premium this year more than any other year. And that's I, the justification. I think that's absolutely fair. But I'm not saying that they should have found the guy this year. I'm saying in the Robinson-Vrabel regime, and in the Robinson regime, they have failed at undrafted free agency. They have. Who's the best guy they found? Isaiah Mack? Sharif Finch, probably. Huh? Sharif Finch, probably. Sharif Finch, I mean, he started a couple games last year. He went in the doghouse, and then he couldn't pass a physical somewhere else when he got caught. Are you counting counting guys like Roberson and Cleve Raymond? No, Khalif Raymond's not an undrafted free agent. Khalif Raymond bounced around 100 places. Roberson counts, so but you're he hasn't saying, done anything yet. Their own undrafted they're, they're free agents. Their own guys agent. that they signed up. And, and what they've done is invested huge money in Adam Humphreys and Malcolm Butler without finding their own Adam uh, Humphreys or Malcolm Butler yet. And they haven't even found middling Adam Humphreys or Malcolm Butler's yet. Roberson, if he pans out, will be one. I like him a lot so far, but it's very early. He could well be Sharif Finch, who, if you're listing as a success, is pretty low ranking. 
I mean, Mac was good for a while last year. Then he went in the doghouse for Corey Ivy. So this Here, is the question, though, Paul. Very good. I, and, I, and this is – I'm not asking this sarcastically. I mean, I, I, I want to get your opinion on why it's any different that if your own guys that you initially bring in or guys that you have found elsewhere because you're watching preseason games or whatever and, and they were on the scrap heap, you no. got, why is, what's the difference? Well, I, I think it shows uh, – it's a fair, fair question. And, look, if, when you find Blass and Game off of Minnesota's practice squad and you find Raymond, who's uh, been cut by however many teams and been involved in uh, however many transactions, absolutely you get a huge scouting thumbs up for uh, finding those guys, absolutely. But you have, you know, however many avenues that you're supposed to hit on. And you should occasionally find a guy that your scouts saw in college that, like, I thought Kinsey was going to be good. He was very productive at Barry College. Um, it's a D3 wide receiver. Okay. Like. But one of those guys, all I'm saying, Joe, is all these avenues are open to you, and this is an avenue that hasn't – a faucet that hasn't turned on for them. I'm, I'm hypercritical probably. But they need to hit on one of those eventually, the same way that they've hit on Scrap Heap, Khalif Raymond, somebody else's practice squad, Khalif Raymond, everything. And it helps you make up for the draft misses and the free agent departures and all of those things. And this is one where they haven't done it. I have a theory on it because they have all these young scouts who all are the exact same guy who seem to me to be, sorry guys, if you're listening, John Robinson stenographers who don't have the liberty to really identify and bring him people. He's finding them and good staffs have some older guys who have a lot of experience at finding guys like that. The Titans don't have those kind of scouts. Well, I, I guess, I guess my biggest question on that, cause you know, if, if these are the, like you're saying, I, I think it is a little, maybe not hypercritical, but I think it is a little overcritical if this is the biggest, like the biggest complaint against them, right? Like, I don't know what, what kind of, what kind of scale that you're grading John Robinson against, like who is the GM who, who does overtly well on a regular basis with under well, they do better. Grades. They do better than the Titans. Nobody's hitting a great batting average at it, but the Titans are close to zero. Um, who does well? The, well, the guy that finds Malcolm Butler and the guy who finds Adam Humphreys, they they do well. Those guys get second contracts for big money. That's, That's the guy who's their GM. <laughs> He's now their GM. The, the guy that found those two guys or was a part of finding those two guys is the GM. Like, I, I understand well, what you're saying. He's selling out the big second contract for them here instead of the initial pennies on the dollar contract for them. It's a big difference. I think ultimately it's about – recognizing the talent that you know will work well with what you have. And if it's, it's not necessarily patchwork, but it's maximizing a window based on the skill sets that you know you need. And in the scheme of things, like they may seem like overpays. Malcolm Butler's contract looks totally reasonable two years after the fact. They're going to get cut next year. It's pro it's incredibly likely based on how, based on how everybody expects there to be at, I think, I think there's, it's probably going to be a flat salary cap. Like over, over the last seven years, I think the salary cap has gone up an average of almost $10 million. That should not be the expectation for next year. And guys like Malcolm Butler, who have big contracts, who have been structured in a way for them to be able to get out from under, um, 
earlier than the expiration dates of those contracts. Yeah, that allows you to do that. I think that Malcolm Butler is a three-year stopgap as you search for the next Malcolm Butler, as you bring along Christian Fulton, who was a great get in the second round. I think at this point, that's, that's just kind of how, that's kind of how it needs to be done. I guess for me, like, I don't, uh, obviously I think you, you want to draft well, you have to draft well. Right. And then, you know, if you're going to shell out big deals, you, you can't have too many misses there, but like, to me, doesn't it really just come down to what's your 53 and if you win or lose, you know, I mean, like, I don't, I, I mean, I don't. Absolutely. That was all a spinoff of the Compton conversation for me. Those, those right. are the kind of moves that I think you've got to find the young, hungry, cheap guys. Compton's not expensive, but he's not young. He's not fast. I want young and fast. Well, we got we got to the Will Compton thing because I had to get us out. Yeah, of let's the get gout. back to ripping Will Compton, can we? <laughs> I had to get us out of the gout conversation, and for some reason that was the easier. Joe being slow and gout footed led us to Will Compton being slow and you know looking. Is it possible Will Compton has gout? Could <laughs> Is this Will a twenty-four hour? Gout? Do we know he doesn't. Are we going to let people off the hook for this? Like, do you have a count as to how many people actually finish this? Because I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. I've got a I've got an an eighty five percent of the podcast on average retention rate, which is that's plummeting off of this. Yeah, well, this, whose fault is that? Mine. Yeah, what yeah, that at least that's all we can ask for around here accountability. So let's I went and drank all that mead. <laughs> let's, I'm getting slowed down by mead and gout. All of this, uh, we've covered a lot of ground. We have, a, we have an actual football game tomorrow, tonight as you're hearing this podcast as the audience, Thursday night football, Texans, Chiefs, the season finally upon us. We'll see how COVID, you know, affects it once games are actually played. Um, just for the purposes of the Titans, though, what is one thing that you guys are hyper-focused on when they travel out to Denver? Uh, what, is, what is the thing that you are most interested to watch? Joseph. Well, okay. I'm not going to say clowny because I'm sure we'll all be, we'll have our Glennon notebooks, you know, for clowny, you know, every, every, uh, poor Johnny just can't get off the hook on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Johnny. Um, but beyond that, like I'm really focused on the secondary and, and just their defensive packages. That first game is so interesting. Where are they moving people? You know, is Fulton ready is one thing, and we'll know more as the season goes on. He'll have more snaps. But what is their sub package? What's their nickel? What's their dime? Where are they moving people? Are they doing the thing with, you know, are they, are they going to have it? And we don't know if – I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm not super uh, optimistic having seen practice today that Vic Beasley is going to have a role in this game. Um, but at some point, that will be fascinating. Beasley, Clowney, Landry, Simmons, the, you know, how they move people up. That's mostly – I mean, I think we know what the offense is going to be and should do. The defensive substitutions and packages in a first game like this after no preseason, I'm very interested in that. May not be feasible for Vic Beasley to be out there. Um, <clears throat> I'm interested in yards after well the catch done. because that's uh, one of the areas uh, I fear regression for this team, certainly for A.J. Brown when you're over 20 yards uh, a catch um, in, your, in your rookie season. I think he's going to have a lot of yards again. I don't know that he's going to have something close to 20 yards a catch again. It's just 
so far off the charts. But I do think uh, yards after the catch is going to continue to be a thing for this team, and I think Darrington Evans is going to contribute to that. I think based on no preseason, you're not holding anything back in the first game, and I think they'll hit him over the head with Darrington Evans if they can as the here you haven't seen this watch. Um, and so I'm very curious to see what they do with him in combination with Henry and in, con- in concert with the, with the passing game. It's, it's, the, it's the next evolution of, the, of their offense for me because they ended, you know, they ended scoring an astronomical amount of points. Um, and the Kansas City game is what it is. And you saw Tannehill kind of take a lesser role over the course of that playoffs because, you know, in part, Henry was so spectacular. Uh, and teams were game planning at that point for A.J. Brown. Where, where Corey Davis factors into all of this, where Adam Humphreys factors into all of this, how much less attention those two get because of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, where Jonu Smith factors into all of this, just what the next evolution of them is, because it's not like more passing attempts or more passing yards necessarily means that they're a better offense. I think that they were a great offense because of the explosive plays that Paul touched on they were the third best in football last year and in a situation where you are controlling the game with Derrick Henry do you necessarily need to have that much more of a developed passing game I think that's the biggest thing for me they'll have the opportunity to test that um, with a little more ease in Denver without Vaughn Miller and and a 100% Bradley Chubb breathing down their neck but there is always the uh, the issue of Jarrell Casey. It is time for plugs on the way out the door. We have seen a change in the backdrop, so we will lead with Paul. Since he has been the most self-involved, he can uh, finish strong as the most self-involved. What you got, Chief? I'm sorry for my role in this disaster, and uh, I I will spare you another plug. Come to the site, paulkuharski.com. There's a lot of good Titans coverage out there. Uh, I'm different. We're all different. I'm worth the price of a cup of coffee. Come spend it. I uh, I don't think you're that sorry. What you got, Joseph? Uh, yeah, I, I like you guys. Have, have I been pausing for you, by the way? Because sometimes yeah. you're going slow. Yeah. Okay. What, how's that going to turn out in the final product, Buck? Oh, oh this this is so much better. This sucks so bad at this point. <laughs> like I I was you know I'm 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 all excited to do podcasts this week. It's week one. You know I'm going to make sure that we have the best possible product out there. Then you two come in here and just Odell Beckham all over <laughs> all over the proceedings around here and drag us into the mud. So yes, you are on a delay. It is incumbent upon you to adjust. You have done poor, done so poorly at this point. Joe, where can they find your work? I don't get the old Dell Beckham joke. Would it explain that? Can you? No, like, don't explain for, for the listeners. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, theathletic.com. Check us out. We uh, work hard, and I think we're uh, we got a lot of great stuff there. We do have a deal going. I have a I think my eighth Jadavion Clowney uh, piece coming, but. They're they're all different. They're just you can't you can't do enough clowning. Uh, lots of stuff. We got some interesting stuff from scouts too, about teams in the AFC. And real fast, we have I will tell you guys because I think we should just extend this a little bit longer. Why not? I looking at looking at our NFL predictions. It is amazing to me, and I hate the whole oh national media disrespect all this stuff, right? But I I will say like. The perception of the Titans is surprisingly 
tepid to me. It's, it's, you know, and I think, and I'm trying to figure it out a little bit. I think it's Tannehill didn't have to throw a pass in the playoffs and they just saw nine and seven, but like there's, it's, I was blown away actually by, they were picked third most likely to win the division way behind Colts and Texans, for example, just an interesting little side note. Um, uh, that we could talk for a few more minutes about if you guys want to. But By the Athletic, for Rex Road, and for a lot of other things. Why you should care what Lindsey Jones thinks about the Titans is beyond me. I, I don't give two shits what Lindsey Jones thinks about the Titans, and neither should you. Or, or okay, why? I don't know why you have to single somebody out, but the point well, is it's because a she's your Because na- she's your primary national writer. Okay, and she does a great job. And the point is, it's all the writers who cover all the teams. You know, we all were asked to vote on this. Right, but I, I don't. Just, I, I, I'm. I like Lindsey Jones, but I don't understand why I should care what Lindsey Jones thinks about the Titans. People don't watch. Sure. Like here's Joe. People don't watch them. You you shouldn't be surprised. People yeah. don't watch them. Like Lewis, right. everybody freaks out when Lewis Riddick tweets that. Uh, A.J. Brown and John U. Smith are two of the most difficult people to tackle in professional football when the three of us and everybody who's watched this team on a regular basis could tell you that with much, much less excitement around our stating that fact. And Tehran's guilty of that. Tehran retweets that with googly eyes. Why does Tehran care that Lewis Riddick thinks that? You can't, you can't hit people over the head. Boys. Okay, just because you didn't doesn't mean that Tehran shouldn't. Like, I think that in the yes, same way... He shouldn't. In, in the same way that you would go to bat for any of your 104.5, well, maybe not any of your 104.5, the some compatriots. Yeah, hold on, Buck. Hold I'm on, on that. For exactly two of my, three of my 104.5 patriots. I, I, I pulled back on saying all because, God, <laughs> God forbid you be a good Let's team. not rip anyone else. Let's all not rip of anyone. us should hesitate to re- uh, to add voice to national opinion of this team. Did you see who Peter King was talking to when he came here? Me and Wyatt. You know why that is? He's got to case King. the scene. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the thing that, you know, that's going to bo- continue to bother us. And it's the thing that fans are going to continue to flock to. Like, I just don't yeah, think, no, and I don't I think hear- there's any, you know, there's any fighting against that. Like, I think that's just the case. No. I hear you, and I totally agree with everything you said. I just – I was a bit surprised because I thought the the postseason, you know, would have I, – I mean, I just – I look at this team, and I, I think a lot of it, and I could end up being wrong. Um, but I just – I was a bit surprised. And, yeah, it's a lot of people – again, these are a lot of people who cover the Raiders or the Browns or, or an NFC team and never, ever watch the Titans. It's just – I was a bit surprised by it. It doesn't mean anything, and you're right that – you know, Lewis Riddick, I was impressed by that. Peter King, he talked to you, Paul, but at least I think Peter King does his homework, right? I mean, I, I feel like when I read Peter King on Team X, I feel like he's done his due diligence, right? He starts local. And there's a lot of, you know, right. Sure, absolutely. All right, That's let's end this. the best Please, coverage fuck. of a team will be. Let's let's keep this going, guys. No, let's keep it going. I have a show. Well, is, come on. I have a show in forty minutes that I haven't even begun to prepare for. This has just been a complete and utter train wreck, prolonged by Joe Rexroad. Don't now share I'm, this. <laughs> yeah, just, don't tweet it. Seriously, don't tweet let's it. call it the Lost Podcast. <laughs> I got to put something out. No, so unfor- unfortunately for the people that yes, yes, I do. Sometimes I, it's better not to publish. Big time Done. dollars, big time dollars attached to this stuff now, Chief. You can't deprive the people uh, and the people who are good enough uh, to spend their money 
with this podcast. So we thank our guests, Paul Kaharski of the Midday 180 and paulkaharski.com, Joe Rexroad of 1025 The Game and The Athletic. You can hear Joe in the morning, then you can switch the dial and hear Paul. Everybody gets equal time here on the pod. Thank you, gentlemen, for just completely and totally dragging this down. It's really maybe the worst thing I've been part of <laughs> in a decade. Let's do this. Can we do this tomorrow? <laughs> Run it all back after clouding. Good night. See you guys out there. (laughs) Okay, iTunes review mailbag on the horizon. But before we get to that, a quick word about the fine folks who present our Zoom and phone interviews. Our friends at Tame the Beast, GetBeast.com, founded by our friend John Cascarano in 2015 as Tame the Beast and originally conceived as a men's grooming company dedicated to grown-up grooming and 100% non-toxic masculinity. You love all of it. Over time, it became clear that women also bought and loved many of the products. So in 2019, Beast expanded its offerings and evolved to a gender-inclusive approach. Beast Brands Evolution also includes a growing dedication to sustainability. In addition to using organic, vegan, cruelty-free ingredients, Beast is a member of 1% for the Planet, a global organization that connects companies with vetted environmental charities. So one, it's good for your smell. Two, it's good for your skin. It's good for your hair. It's good for your beard. It's good for everything that involves the way that you look and smell, which is hugely important. Also, it can save you 20% off with a promo code exclusive to our A to Z sports audiences, Beast2020. Groom boldly, be a beast. Check them out at getbeast.com. All right, iTunes review mailbag. We got four questions today. We got four questions, or three, rather three questions and a request that I'm not sure how I feel about. And these are all collected by our great intern, Reed Besh at Besh, please, is where you can follow the young stud. All right, C. Heron1234 wants to know, how much will Clowney play Monday since he just signed. Now, I think this is a totally reasonable question because I really don't think, as I mentioned earlier, as I think we talked about earlier in the pod with Rex Rod and Kaharski, I don't necessarily think there's a great chance that Vic Beasley plays. I think there's a better chance that Clowney plays. I think what they ask him to do is, as a pass rusher, as an edge rusher, as a defensive lineman slash outside linebacker, his, uh, his goals, his responsibilities, rather, are easily accomplished in really, you know, plug-and-play defense, right? Set the edge, contain the running back, put pressure on the quarterback. You can do that in any defensive scheme. But I don't know where specifically his conditioning is. Now, we've heard from many trainers. I know Midday 180 had one of his trainers on. I know Teron Davenport on Talking with TD also had one of Clowney's trainers on. And there's a difference between off-season conditioning, off-season strength and conditioning, and football shape. One of the oldest cliches in the book. If I had to put a snap count on it, I would set the over-under at 22.5, and I would probably take the under. Now, I think that changes. Hell, I think it's less if Beasley ends up participating in some form or fashion, but I think that's ultimately their goal, right? They want to use many different looks. They want to use multiple personnel. They want to keep these guys fresh 
over the course of a three-and-a-half, four-hour NFL football game and make them last throughout the course of the season. So that's kind of what my expectation is as, you know, again, we've only seen one practice. Jadavion Clowney, by the way, scheduled to speak to the media as you're hearing this on Thursday around 1130 is when we will talk to a loaded uh, Zoom call of Clowney, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown after we talk to Mike Rabel. So I can't imagine he'll say much that's illuminating out of, you know, why he decided to choose the Titans instead of the Saints or any of the other teams that were available for him to sign with. But we will uh, make sure that we do great reporting on that at A to Z Sports. Give us a follow across the social media platforms. We go now to Nick, forgive me, Nick, if I mispronounce your last name, Gregory. It's spelled weird. Nick Gregory 2 is how we will go with it. Which player has stood out to you the most at training camp? Uh, this is going to feel like I'm trolling myself. It really it really is. Because I I think the guy that I noticed, I noticed the most is, God help me, Malcolm Butler. I really think, and he always kind of has a strong training camp, or at least each of the uh, each of the three training camps as a Tennessee Titan that he's participated in. And I really think we saw him kind of settle in to what his role was within this defense before he ultimately got hurt in Week 7 against the Carolina Panthers. And then, of course, as you all are very, very quick to remind me, was placed on IR and then the IR question gag began. But I do notice him more than really anybody else, at least in terms of the defensive backs. Bayard flashes. He's obviously hugely talented. I have been super focused on Christian Fulton because you want to see, you know, will he be able to contribute for this team in week one? But truly, the guy that catches my attention more often than not, whether it's pass breakups, whether it's interceptions, whether it's just out there being, as Mike Vrabel dubs him, the street rat, Malcolm Butler really, really uh, had, yet again, a strong training camp heading into week one, a.k.a. Pierre, our next question in the iTunes review mailbag. How concerned should we be about soft tissue injuries in week one? That's a fascinating question. So the NFL lockout, the last time that there was a CBA being negotiated, I believe that was 2011, um, when the NFL was trying to get through their negotiations between the league and the players' union. So over the course of that, obviously football players, teams were not able to go into their facilities, not able to uh, go about their normal day-to-day business, and what it resulted in was a shortened offseason and a higher injury rate, whether what percentage of those Worse off tissue, I would not want to give you an ill-informed number, and I don't necessarily have a percentage available to you. I would say that the percentage chance is obviously higher that we will see, maybe not necessarily in week one, but just I think that injuries are going to be a really big storyline to follow, and particularly for this team, right? Because you're getting clowny off the street. You hope that he had additional time to heal himself from the injuries that he sustained as a Seattle Seahawk, and we of course know that he's had a spotty injury history. Maybe reliability for Jadavion Clowney is the overarching theme, whether that's play-by-play effort, whether that's his actual availability on the field. I I don't want to I don't want to put a number on it specifically. I think that's kind of difficult to do, but I think you should absolutely be concerned league-wide 
not just necessarily for the Tennessee Titans, because they just, I mean, training camp really was the first opportunity that these guys had to get out on a football field and the ramp up. I mean, you guys know this. Professional athletes train their bodies a specific way, operate on a specific schedule to ramp up at certain points in the year to make sure that they're physically ready for the rigors of whatever whatever season might be ahead of them, whether that's the NBA and, you know, the hundreds of thousands, I think almost millions of dollars that LeBron James dumps into his body to make sure that he's still one of the best players in the world at age 35. Football players the same. And, you know, I mean, the reality of the situation, football players infinitely more disposable, certainly in the NFL. Soft tissue injuries, though, injuries at large, I think are going to be a major storyline in week one. Of course, Von Miller is the biggest storyline at this point, particularly for the Titans, given that that's their week one opponent, having lost him already for the season with a tendon injury in his ankle, a situation to monitor. Okay, so now here here we get to the request that was made of me in the iTunes review mailbag. And again, you can answer you can get any question answered, you can leave any comments you like read on the air. All you got to do is leave five star ratings with your question, comment or concern in the Apple iTunes review. Five stars literally I'm I will sacrifice every ounce of integrity I have as long as you give us a good rating in the podcast. Like it's very simple. Uh, for you to be able to, uh, it's like it's like The Sims, right? I'm operating, uh, I'm operating at your disposal because, of course, we serve at your pleasure around here. This is your show. I'm just the person talking to you. Zam, your Graham would like me to give my best Mike Vrabel impression. Now, at the risk of being hugely embarrassed, I don't. I'm kind of going to cop out of this one, and I'll give you a specific reason why, Zam. I I think that the key to the Mike Vrabel impression, not that I would have any kind of good one, but I believe Will Compton, who has also been a guest, a regular guest co-host on this podcast, would speak to this as well. The key to any good Mike Vrabel impression is the arching of one eyebrow, the sneer that comes with the way that he looks at us, whether it's in person or virtually now when we do it on Zoom, the dismissiveness of the Mike Vrabel stare down and the cocking of one eyebrow is very, very much what makes the Mike Vrabel impression. I don't necessarily know if I could do the best voice. I can ask Paul Kaharski if he got enough to drink today. I can ask him if anybody actually reads his website, which, of course, we do at the end of every primetime show. It's one of the highlights of my day each and every day to hear Mike, just, uh, just uh, you know, go back and forth with Paul. It's a good time. But the key to any Mike Vrabel impression is that eyebrow, and that is not necessarily conveyed in an audio medium. So it's a cop-out, Sam, but I appreciate your questions, comments, and re- uh, concerns, as always, here in the iTunes review mailbag. It's going to do it for us today on this Thursday. By the time you hear this pod, week one, will be underway. Texans, Chiefs, football, thank the sports gods. It's actually back in our life. We made it, fam. There's a Jim Wyatt Britches report out there. There will be football on our televisions come 7.20 Central Time here in the 615. So we will look 
to that. I will do a halftime show if you happen to hear this before Thursday Night Football is played. We'll go live with the primetime show around halftime of Texans and Chiefs. We'll be able to actually discuss things that have taken place on the field. An AFC South opponent competing against a conference opponent, one that will likely, two that will likely stand in the way of the Titans and a playoff, potentially Super Bowl run. All of these things ahead, and we cannot express how excited we are to experience them yet again for another season here with you. So, on the way out the door, support the people that support this show. That is Two Rivers Ford, of course, Nashville's home for Nashville's official home for the 2021 Ford Bronco and GetBeast.com using the promo code BEAST2020 to save yourself 20% off all of their great grooming products. Shouts to our guests, Paul Kaharski and Joe Rexroad and all of our great contributors around here on the pod and to you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network where you get the 615 sessions each and every Tuesday and Thursday. In the meantime, as always, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. Football is on the horizon, and we are ready for it. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the weekend. We will speak to you after the Titans take on the Broncos next Tuesday right here on the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Thank you.